All right, amigos, all right, and welcome back to the second part, the bonus part of today's FYI episode on barbecuing. First of all, thanks so much for joining us. Everybody who's listening right now is a patron, a subscriber, so thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting the work I do. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts and the bonus content. All right, well, let's get back into it because we've got a lot to do planning for today's barbecue. I told you I was going to tell you the difference between a barbecue and a grill. Well, as objects, it's the same thing. In the United States, a barbecue or a grill is the thing you use. But the type of cooking is different. And a lot of people don't know this and use them interchangeably. So indirect heat versus direct heat. That's the difference here. So which one is direct heat and which one is indirect heat? Well, grilling is direct heat. If you use direct heat, you're grilling. To grill something is a la parrilla, right? Grilled salmon, salmon a la parrilla. And barbecuing is smoking, as we said before, ahumar. You're cooking it very, very slowly using the heat and the smoke that it generates. I'm telling you, you could probably get a few Americans on that trivia question. Be like... What's the difference between barbecuing and grilling? Now, as I said, most people don't know that, but, well, you need to know this if you want to become a grill master. We call a grill master somebody who is a master, un maestro, at the grill, evidently. So there's a a trick question, and I got to say, that's what makes barbecued meat so good. You know, it falls off the bone. It's so tender, tierno. It's finger-licking good. You say something similar in Spanish. You say, para chuparse los dedos, finger-licking good. Ooh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting hungry just talking about this. I also told you that we were going to look at the capital, the barbecue capital. I think most people would say it's the United States if it's barbecue as we know it today. You know, in the modern sense of the word, it's not that simple. There's a rivalry, rivalidad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, everybody wants to be the barbecue capital. There's a rivalry between Memphis, Tennessee, which, can I be honest with you guys? I've had Memphis barbecue, and it is absolutely amazing. My wife said that the best ribs that she has ever had in her life were in Memphis. If you guys want to know the name of the place, I'll let you know. Contact me. And if you're ever in Memphis, oh. Now, it's a different style. The Memphis-style barbecue is a dry rub. Rub is frotar. So instead of soaking it, empapándolo, soaking it in barbecue sauce, they use a dry rub. And my wife was weirded out. To be weirded out is like, huh? What What's going on here? When she saw that the ribs were dry because she was used to the very, you know, sticky, pegajosa ribs. And these were, you know, had like a dry. And she said, these are going to be very dry. And I said, babe, try them. And when the meat came off the bone and she tried them, she was in love. I think she still dreams about those ribs that we had. Oh, I, I, right now, just thinking of them, they were amazing. So that's the Memphis style. But Kansas City, they do things their own way. They have their own style. Like many, Texas has their own style. Believe me, you could literally do a barbecue tour around the United States. Now, some of the biggest tournaments uh, are in Memphis and Kansas City. Now, an interesting thing about Kansas City, Kansas City is not in Kansas. That's a good trivia question. Kansas City is in Missouri. Missouri. 
So those two are duking it out or battling it out to see who's the king of barbecue. And you know what happened? Well, Lexington, North Carolina. That's right. Little Lexington, North Carolina snagged the title. To snag us, se lo robaron. Technically, Lexington, North Carolina is the barbecue capital of the world. Who would have thunk it? Quien lo hubiera dicho? All right, let's talk about those baby back ribs. I know you're all familiar with these. You've all had them at Fridays or wherever you have ribs, Tony Roma's. I love both of them, I have to say. And it's not advertising. No es publi. Baby back ribs. Is it because they're baby uh, pigs? Remember, when we talk about the meat, we don't call it pig. We talk about the animal, we say pig. But when we talk about the meat, we say pork. So is it a baby pig that this pork comes from? No, it's because they're shorter, más cortitos, than spare ribs. Spare ribs, I think you say, is costillita. They're the typical ones that you get at the market. And why are baby back ribs so popular? Well, they have less fat. And, of course, they're pretty tasty. Let's be honest. Sabrosos, tasty. They have less fat than some of the other cuts. And, yes, we say the word cuts Cortes as well. And while we're talking about ribs, costillas, there are four different types of pork ribs. Now remember, when we talk about ribs in the United States, we're usually talking about pork ribs, although there's beef ribs as well. So we just said the first one, baby back ribs. The second one we mentioned as well, spare ribs. They're the most common ones and they come from the underbelly of the pig. Then you've got the St. Louis style. There's Missouri again. You can't talk about barbecue without mentioning Missouri. So the St. Louis style. They're similar to spare ribs, but they take away the breastbone. They remove, quitar, uh, remove is a false friend because remover is to stir, but to remove is quitar. So they remove the breastbone, brestes, pecho, in that style. And the other one, which I didn't even know about this one, is called country style. And country style have the highest meat to bone ratio. So less bone, more meat. If you're looking for a lot of meat, then you want country style. If you're looking for a leaner, uh, menos grasiento, no? Con menos grasa, then you're looking for baby back ribs. And then how you marinate them, marinate is macerar, how you marinate them, well, that's up to you. In fact, there's a secret that a lot of people use with their barbecue sauce when they marinate their ribs in the United States. And you know what that is? Coke. Yeah, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, because it sweetens them and it also, well, it tenderizes the meat to tenderize. I talked about these cook-offs. We call it a cook-off, a cooking competition. And these are so popular in the United States. If you ever have the opportunity to go to a cook-off, do it. Just think about it. A lot of people cooking trying to impress you with their food. Uh, hello? Where do I sign up? Donde me apunto? So when did this all start? This idea of, okay, let's compete and see whose barbecue sauce is better, whose ribs are better, whose chicken wings are better. And well, we'd have to go back to 1959. And this is Hawaii. And before we were talking about all the diverse kinds of barbecuing out there, Hawaii is no stranger to the barbecue. In fact, the small barbecue in the United States, the one that you can bring to the park or to the beach, if it's legal, of course, is called a hibachi. I'm not sure if it's a Japanese word. Now that I think about it, it's probably a Japanese word. We'll check that. But Hawaii, famous for its barbecue. They have some really nice barbecue. And they have a healthy barbecue, too, because they grill a lot of fish. We all know fish is another meat that is pretty lean. 
We used that word a few times today. 1959, and uh, that was the first cook-off on record. 25 men participated. Uh, it's a shame no women participated, but now it's it's not just for men. Believe me, uh, there are some, uh, there's a whole culture of men, women, and everything in between that love grilling and marinating and the whole barbecue culture. As I said, I think it's become more of a culture than, than just eating you know let's let's eat well if you want to eat you can just throw something in the microwave in el microondas but if you want to have a get together if you want to you know create memories that's a barbecue that's what you do you know and people gather that's another thing if you want to see a group of guys gather together juntarse put a barbecue in the middle <laughs> you'll see now uh the the grand prize for that barbecue contest uh, was $10,000, okay? Which isn't much, but remember, that was 1959, so adjusted to inflation, that was about $80,000. Not bad to make the best ribs. I mean, otra vez. Again, where do I sign up? And now, as I said, you can see these contests. There, I wouldn't be surprised if there are several contests like this in Spain already. In fact, now that I think about it, I was invited to a country music festival, and they had a barbecue cook-off. So guess what? It's here in Spain. I've seen in the past 15 years, I've seen this barbecue culture uh, really, really grow in Spain. And not just people going to restaurants, because that was cool. It's nice when you can go to a restaurant and eat some nice ribs. But as I said, part of it is the communal aspect, getting together. And what do you think? You just eat barbecue food at a barbecue? No. Someone makes a salad. Another person. Uh, here's one. Ensaladilla rusa, you say in Spanish. We don't call it a little Russian salad. No. <laughs> we call it potato salad or pasta salad or tuna salad, depending what the main ingredient is. So that's very common to see. Watermelon. How can you have a barbecue without watermelon? So it's not even about the food that's on the grill. It's about the whole experience. And now uh, it's big business. In fact, if you guys are thinking of a way to make some money quick, well, come up with a good recipe. Recipe is una receta. Come up with a good recipe and you could win, you know, $100,000 some of these prizes are. Um, so good luck and let me know if you need somebody to taste your food. I am a really good taste tester. A taste tester is obviously somebody who tastes food. They test it and they give you their opinion. I will more than happily volunteer to be that person. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a look at some vocabulary that we'll use as well. Here's another difference with that word grill. In the UK, if I'm not mistaken, when they say to grill something, they talk about putting it in the oven, in el horno, and when the heat comes from above. They call that in the UK grilling. So for them, it's putting it in the oven and turning on the heat from above. And for us in the United States, to grill is a la parrilla, right? To grill something, as we said earlier, the difference between that and barbecue. So here's my next question I get from a lot of my Spanish friends who are in the market for a grill. They're looking to buy a grill. They ask me, Alberto, gas or charcoal? Gas is gas, evidentemente, and charcoal, carbón. And, well, there are benefits to both. I mean, if time is, the, is of the essence, then, of course, you're going to want to go with gas because you can turn it up and heat it up 
to heat up is calentar. So you can turn it on, good phrasal verbs. You can turn it on, entender, and heat it up, calentarlo, a lot faster than if you use charcoal. But then it tastes a little bit more like gas. So you see, it's a give and take, toma y daca. Let me give you a secret weapon, though. If you want to heat up the charcoal faster, a secret weapon is, we need a drum roll for this one. A blow dryer. That's right, a blow dryer or a hair dryer. One that you have in your bathroom. You put that on the coals, you aim it, and you'll get that fire going in no time. En un plis plas, in no time. That'll work. And while we're at it, let's look at these other hacks or tips. A hack, too, is a little trick. No, Un truquito is a, a hack, como la palabra hackear. A big mistake people make when they're grilling is they poke and prod at the meat or the vegetables. Now, to poke is toquetear, right? And to prod. They, let me tell you three words. Don't touch it. No lo toques. Don't touch the meat. When you put something on the grill, you want to touch it as little as possible. In fact, this is why winter barbecues are usually better. Well, tastier. Because since it's cold out, people are touching the meat less. They're opening the grill less as well. And remember, every time you open the grill, you're losing heat. Every time you touch the meat, you're squeezing out some of the juice. And it's not going to be as juicy. And who wants meat that has the texture of the sole of my shoe? La suela de mi zapato. Nobody wants that. So don't squish your burgers. Don't flatten them like a pancake. It's not a good idea. Let it cook slowly. Don't touch it, except when you're going to flip it. So I always tell people, a burger, you should literally touch it twice. When you flip it, le das la vuelta, and when you take it off the grill. That's it. Because I've seen people ruin burgers, just pushing all that juice right into the fire. And I'm like, <gasps> and then the funny part is they have the burger or the steak and then they drown it, lo ahogan, with barbecue sauce and steak sauce. And I'm saying, well, it already had its own natural juices. So don't touch the meat. That's a little secret. I think people feel like, well, because I'm barbecuing or I'm grilling, I need to touch the meat every five seconds. Don't. In fact, if you can... Try and keep it closed because part of the cooking, especially if you're going to be doing barbecuing, is using that steam, using that heat that's going around in circles there, cooking that meat, making it tender. So don't touch the meat. Oh, I've said it so many times, but I'll keep saying it. Don't touch it. Now, I also wanted to look at a few other things as well, talking about meat and temperatures. I wanted to look at the scale, la escala. So if you go to a restaurant or if you're at a barbecue and the grill master says, hey, how do you like your meat? Or how do you like your burger? How do you want it cooked? Como te gusta? We have several options. I'll go from the rawest, el más crudo, to the, the sole of my shoe, como lo llamo. Okay, so we've got rare. We've got medium rare. We've got medium. So I think medium rare or medium is en su punto. Then we've got medium well. And then we've got well done, which is, I don't even know why that's an option. That's an important thing to know if you're going to be traveling. Know how to say the temperature of your meat in English because it's easy to overcook 
meat, pasarte, right? To overcook meat. I always tell people, here's another tip. If you're at a restaurant especially, order your steak or your burger less than... So if you like it medium, order it medium rare because you can't uncook it, but you can always throw it back on the grill for a little bit. So always order it a little more undercooked. And if you need it, you can always send it back. That's my advice over there. And remember, what's medium to me might not be medium to this chef. And what's medium to him is medium rare to me. So always be careful. Another thing that I like about grilling and, well, cooking with the oven in general is Fahrenheit. If you can operate in Fahrenheit, I know in Spain we use Celsius as your degrees. Degrees are grados. We don't say grades. In this case, we say degrees. So I know in Spain you're used to Celsius, but the reason I say to use Fahrenheit is because it's more precise. Es más preciso. And you can get the exact temperature. And when you're cooking something, slow cooking especially, smoking it, the right temperature is so important. And speaking of that, here's another tip for you. Use the grill accordingly. Obviously, if you have a thick steak, put that on the hottest part of the grill. And if you have little, you know, skinny little asparagus, well, put those in the back, further away from the heat, el calor. That's a, a little tip too. Remember, not all the grill is the same temperature. So remember, this part is hotter, this part is cooler, and feel free to move things around if you need to. That's another thing. I said don't touch the meat, but if something's burning, touch the meat, grab it and move it. That's another thing. Use the grill accordingly. Another thing I've seen on the grill, which, oh, aluminum foil. My British friends say aluminium. Aluminium? No sé ni decirlo como ellos. Aluminium. We say aluminum foil. It's a no-no. I've been told that when it heats up, it releases toxic chemicals. Don't use aluminum foil on the grill. Get a grate. Get, you know, they make a million different accessories that you can use on the grill. There's a lot of gear, equipo. Don't use aluminum foil on the grill. I've seen people do it with corn on the cob, mazorca. When there's nothing better than the taste of corn on the cob on the grill, a little bit charred. Chamuscado, you say? And last but not least, and I think I left this one for last because maybe it's the most important, you need to take care of your grill. You need to take care of your barbecue. If you do, it'll last a lifetime, especially if you get a Weber, you know, one of these that are real solid, real sturdy, sturdy es fuerte. It'll last you for a lifetime. If you cover it, you take care of it in the winter, if you can, put it away, guardalo. You should clean it after every use. Natural ways to clean it, lemon, onion. These are things that will cut the grease and clean your grill. And if you take care of it, your grill will last a lifetime of gatherings, get-togethers, and family functions that you'll be enjoying for the rest of your life. Guys, thank you so much for being here for today's Barbecue Bash on FYI. Hang on, hang on. Bring that music back in. How could I forget about my amigos? Special thanks to Augusto Hernandez for the song, Souvenir. Also, my amigo Nacho for lending me his voice and expertise in editing. 
Now, the show is officially over. See you next week. <laughs>